On this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, John and I talk about Rick winning at the Wasted Management, as well as Phil winning at the AT&T Pro-Am. I give a little review on my trip to Cabo and a couple rounds of golf, and uh, we talk we talk a whole lot about uh, golf clubs and how they're just more forgiving, and that's really where the distance is coming from. And lastly, we review one of the best uh, Anejo tequilas we've ever had. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, it's a speed bump. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Faded Golf Podcast. I am uh, Mark Julien, as uh, always, here with Mr. Falkenberg. John, how are we doing today? Great, buddy. How are you doing? We we took about a week and a half hiatus um, off of the podcast because uh, the wife and I got away. Which is nice, nice little excursion to Mexico. You need it here in the Midwest. Yeah, because the weather. I mean, we had we had our sub. The last time I think we actually, yeah, the last time we met, it was like sub zero temperatures. It's horrible. It's terrible. And then by the weekend, it, it was like fifty degrees and everything melted. And then we left, and it got freaking cold again. And then we had the streets last night were like a skating rink. They were frozen here. And now they're all melted again. It's the most bizarre crap. Well. Indiana in February. Terrible. It's not. It's like the worst month. Doesn't equate to anything good. So, yeah, so the wife and I, for I think this might have been our sixth year now, um, we've gotten away in February for like a week. And so five, five days to a week. And uh, just to try to escape this and have some type of uh, relief from the crappy weather. And she seems to be a lot happier as a result, which is great. So It's good. Refreshed. It's good refreshed so uh as i was in mexico i didn't watch much of the tournament this past weekend i did watch uh fowler the previous weekend wasted management open um uh coming through kind of in the like what do you think of that final round though do you know like like let's do you you hear what fowler's nickname is there big dick fowler yeah (laughs) yeah big dick he says he's kind of gotten used to it yeah that's good i like it i mean it's fine i mean it's Rick, what, man. What did I think of what? What did you think of that final round? I mean, like, nobody in that final because what? It was Thomas, Fowler, and um, what's his face? I think the weather change just totally threw them off their game. Okay. I just, I mean, they just didn't adjust well. None of them played well. And Rick then, just kind of held on, had that stupid penalty. I mean, he won just basically... Because no one else stepped up. Nobody else stepped up and played. Hand to him. Well, he played great the first three days. Nobody played great really on Sunday. He held on. Barring that that stupid whatever penalty, I mean, he had a good. He had an okay. Round. I thought. Well, he was only what one over for the day or something maybe. And then what he had there seven. Yeah, he took a triple. <laughs> so if he parred that, he was yeah. four under. I mean, that was yeah. that been a good round. Yeah, and it was, you know. He, he hit that shot in, and it didn't. It didn't bite. No, but that penalty still is the weirdest thing I've ever freaking seen. Like, if you set, here's what I didn't understand. So, if you put a ball down, yep, and it and it moves, and you didn't cause it, you know, and if you're in a regular play, you can put it back. But what? What's that guy's name? The the dude with the hat. The 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 Official. rules guy. What's his name? He's got some slugger. Slugger White. <laughs> Slugger. Slugger something. That's what his name is. 
he comes up and he gave the rulings like it that roll it rolled into a hazard. He only had to take the one shot, right? Because he didn't actually make a stroke and then is pulling it out. So he's basically just it's the penalty for. But but to me, it kind of goes to the point of like grounding your club in a hazard and all that. It's like why just move it back to the same spot, right? This is all the, the all the, pen, the rules. It's I mean, for the average golfer, the penalty is enough that you just lost a five dollar Pro V one. Well, yeah, but it's still <laughs> another it, one that it still didn't water. make sense to me. So he could reach down the water and get it. Yeah. And put it right back where it was. Yeah, I don't know. The thing I, was I, in, I didn't like it. I, it's a weird ruling, very odd ruling. I'm I'm glad that it didn't ruin the outcome of the tournament. Um Rick's a good guy. He's really good for the tour. Uh, a lot of people like him. There's not a lot of haters for for Big Dick Rick. So, congrats to Rick. Sorry we didn't get a chance to give you the shout out last week. Big Dick Rick. So then this week, our man, uh, our man Phil, um, comes through. What do you, what do you think though about? I mean, we'll get into some details on it. But what do you what do you think about? Uh, obviously, they had the delay because of the weather, and then they're getting real dark they got like two holes to play phil's like i'm good let's keep going i can play in the dark and casey is like uh, I'd, I'd prefer to finish tomorrow that backfired on phil one year do you remember it uh playing Valha- in the dark in valhalla yeah pga championship when yeah. Roy won he wanted to finish he should have and phil and, and uh ricky were right in front of him yep Roy wanted to finish ricky didn't phil's like fuck it he just feels just the way he is i think Phil would have been served well to consider like slowing down. Yeah. And I, I mean, he obviously just finished fine the last two holes there. Paul Casey, this is awesome. He's when tied. Was that? What, what year was that PJ Championship? Oh, was remember. that 2000? I went there too. That was, that was that 2011, was 2012. No, yeah. that was, it was a good, it was a good time. Yeah. Maybe 2000. I don't know. I don't know. We That's can look bad. it up later. We're, we're terrible. Here, this is why the Golf Channel and the No Laying Up guys, they're much more prepared with their pro golf knowledge. We just, we are, we like playing the amateur but, game. But, but. In, you know, that's like correlating a decision-making that Phil goes through, and I think maybe it benefited him to wait, But because who knows? He could have, like, done what he did at Wingfoot for the U.S. Open. He just, he, he doesn't blast give a shit. He could have blasted one in the ocean it's on 18. It's getting dark. Yeah. You know, he could have fucked the, he's, I mean, he's up three yeah. shots, but three shots you can lose real quick on 18. Yeah. On and I, I mean, I, I think for Casey, knowing he's tied for second, but he's three back, probably not going to win it unless Phil chokes. But I like, I mean, for his strategy to go, hey, you know what? I'd like to get at least one birdie in these last couple holes and get solo second. And you know what? He it probably made him he another did, hundred he? some. He grand. did, yeah, he did. He got he got another birdie and got himself solo second. So, so good for him. If he really wanted to win, he was thinking like us right now. I was like, okay, all right, Phil, let's go, bud, let's go. Because Phil puts one out in the water. Phil's forty eight years old. He could be like a little seeing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, cheers to Phil for the 44th. Any other things, takeaways that you have from the AT&T Pro-Am? I mean, it, it's obviously an interesting event. They play three different courses. and um, That Ambiner that played with Paul Casey, a 13 handicap, bullshit. <laughs> that dude was hitting shots better than than uh, Casey and Phil into the green. Like 170 out, out of the sand, like just <laughs> right in the middle of the green. I was like, 13 handicap? No. He is, 
I don't know that well. I just watched like you watched, several shots. You watched enough shots to know that a 13 handicapper doesn't hit those type of shots. They picked up his shots, like the actual like Golf Channel and CBS, more than any amateur. The whole because he was hitting shots. He was hitting good shots. Phil and Paul missed the green on that. Uh, I don't know. It's like 15, and and this guy's the same spot as both of them. He's, he's just nuts Stripes right in the middle. One in there, and then it was like, oh, he just keeps plugging away. He was just hot that week, I'm sure. I'm sure he was 13. just hot that week. Well, so so the, what I did catch of the AT&T program wasn't like any of the tournament, basically, but I caught Club Pro guy was there. So he's hanging out on the range, like giving stupid tips, using his freaking pool noodle and a bunch of shit, and he's interviewing Aaron Rodgers. He's like, so how much did you need to pad your handicap in order to you know, really feel like you could compete this week? He's asking guys this stuff, which to me was great. And Aaron Rodgers was fantastic feedback because he's like, he's like, well, watching uh, Larry Fitzgerald last year, I really realized I had to step up my game and how I <laughs> sandbagged a little bit, which is awesome. So there, there's sandbaggers there, hundred oh, percent for sure. Why not? I mean, I mean, you you get some crystal, you get to play freaking Pebble Beach. I mean, to me, if I got to play in that event for some reason, like somebody asked me to play in that event. I'd be like, I don't care if I'm sandbagging or not. I get to play in the freaking AT&T program. This is a epic. Well, I think they get asked a while before. You pad that handicap, the 13, that's nothing, Senator Green's from 180 from the sand. There's yeah. no 13 handicap I know at our golf club yeah. that can hit a Senator Green from sand at 180. No. You know one? Uh, well, that looks like a good swing that doesn't go thin and like kind of rolls up. Stu was hitting the green. Michael Hart. He, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen Michael Hart hit some shots. Is I he, mean, what's his handicap? He might be down to a twelve now, but he started the season at fifteen. He can look. All right, Michael, if you listen to this, which he does, he's one of okay. our fifteen. All right, Michael, if you listen to this, we will go out to a sand trap, one eighty out, one eighty out. Yeah. See and how he, many. See. Well, we'll wow. give it. We'll even give him like five or ten balls and see we'll how many he can hit on the five green. or ten balls. Whatever. We'll yeah. s- let's just do five. Yeah. If he hits one out of five, yeah, we we'll give him. What, what, we'll give him a prize. Sure. Yeah. I he mean, gets. He gets he, a single length seven iron. <laughs> <laughs> hungry like a wolf. Hungry like the wolf. He came up with that shirt. So it was great. Hungry like a wolf T-shirt. That's so good. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate you being a good sport. We got to get you back on the show. Speaking of getting people back on the show, um, we're going to have Coach Bryant back on the show here soon. We're going to line him up for a guest spot. I know we've been mentioning uh, Mr. Durham. We had to skip um, due to the polar vortex. We had to skip our pro, Kyle Kramer. So we've got uh, a good lineup in the next few months. And um, we're in talks with a... uh, Yeah, and we're in talks with a... um, a golf uh, head cover manufacturer, uh, the president of a gov, uh, golf head club manufacturer, and we're trying to get him on the show this quarter as well. So some we good guests. We'll get it lined up. We're getting it lined up. So uh, as I alluded to, um, cheers, I guess, to, to Phil and Big Dick Rick. But uh, while, while those guys were winning golf tournaments, I took the wife and we headed down to Cabo. Cabo? Uh, Cabo San Lucas. We were actually in San Jose del Cabo. Um, which was it's spectacular. Um, what's fun about Cabo to me this is my second time going there is that although the beaches aren't really like swimmable type of beaches, 
the waves crashing on these rocks and stuff and it's just awesome we had a place like right on the water just crack the window and just listen to the waves crashing did you the get the water um I, other than walking along the beach and it hitting my feet i didn't like swim in the the ocean or how anything was it like was that. it warm the water? oh it was cold man it cold. was cold so um what's cool is my wife's really really cool to me and instead of uh you know hanging out with me she's like good with like sleeping in and chilling on her own and i got up early two days thursday and friday last week at and i had 7 a.m tea times um i played uh the palmia course 7 a.m seven wow. well it's, it's nine it's 9 a.m here because it's two hours so it was easy for you to get up. that was no big deal yeah just went to bed at 11 and woke up and so played at the palmia course and then um shoot what was the other name of the course the uh low shoot why can't i even think of this right uh, Puerto Los Cabos, sorry. Um, so I played at Puerto Los Cabos and I played at Palmia. Uh, Palmia is a Jack Nicholas design. Um, they have three different uh, nines. They had a mountain course, a Royals course, and an ocean course. I played the mountain and the ocean. Uh, played the mountain first. Um, I had played the Arroyo last time I was there, so it was kind of cool to see a different nine. Um it was windy as hell. It was probably 12 to 14 mile per hour winds with 20 mile per hour gusts, depending on, you know, what, which way you were going and things like that. It, it got, it got crazy. I think I shot probably 84, 85. I lost a lot of golf balls in the cactuses and shit, driving the ball like a dickhead, trying to beat it. Um, it was a rough day on Thursday to say the least. I, I got rid of all the crappy golf balls in my golf bag. I can tell you that. <laughs> didn't play one new golf ball. Did you bring your clubs out? I did bring my clubs down. So that was that at least like I felt kind of comfortable. Felt like I, I knocked the rust off. I played better on the back nine than the uh front nine. Um had a if you were on Instagram and I thought I saved it. I I did one whole hole where I I did it live on Instagram and I I thought I saved it and I don't think I can find it, but I'm going to I'm going to contact Instagram and see if it's disappeared. You had a good second round though. So then the next day, so Palmia, I recommend Palmia. I think there's some cool holes out there. Um, the fact that there's three different nines, I think, is really fun. Um, and uh, you can get a variety uh, going on. But So I recommend that. Um, and then when I went out to Puerto Los Cabos, this was about, it was about a 20-minute drive from our resort, kind of up a little bit further north, and kind of in the mountains. And it has uh, two uh, nines designed by Nicholas and one nine designed by Norman. So I played the Norman course as the front nine and we played the Nicholas two as the back nine. Now the cool part about this course and why I kind of signed up for it was that it was like an all-inclusive round. So what was fun about it is that um, they had these taco huts, one on the front nine and one on the back nine and you passed by them like twice on the nine. Each nine? On each nine. That's nice. So I got breakfast tacos in the morning, and I got a shot of. I got to try all the different Candigos uh, tequila. So they had like a blanco, a reposado, and they have a rose tequila. And I hadn't tried those yet before. And I thought the reposado was excellent. Um, I thought the blanco. I'd probably put it in a margarita or something like that. And then um, I thought the rosé, they clearly are just trying to appeal to the women with it because it was like there was no big difference to it. So the 
I did a little homework on it. What they basically do is they take the Blanco and then they age it for a little bit in a uh, wine barrel. George Strait, I guess, is like the investor in this tequila or something like that. I don't, or some country singer or something like that. Is it George Strait? Shit, I don't know. Anyway, was there a shitter pretty close by? Oh yeah, every few holes. Um, no, great, uh, great little egg and uh, chorizo uh, taco. Sounds so good, right? It now. was so good. And then on the back nine, I had um, it was a. Uh, uh, carnitas and and then they had a steak taco oh, so too. Good. So good. So I consumed what two egg tacos in the morning and two Pacifico lights. I think on the front nine. Shot thirty seven with two did birdies. You, did you say Pacifico light? They were out of Pacifico. Okay. So because right. I, I had all right, you're forgiven. I had ordered the Pacifico and they're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I only have the Pacifico. Like, I was like, you who, can. So you can. Who am I doing this podcast with? Right so now? you can check out my experience getting the tacos on our Instagram. That is saved on there, so you can check that out. But um, and then on the back nine, I proceeded to have another Pacifico light, a margarita, and then a Pacifico <laughs> light on the taxi home from the golf course. So. I Did you can, take a nap? <laughs> I, I'm not even done with my day. We're going to get into my food for the day here, but I'm going to uh, kind of go back to the golf round. So I birdie, um, for those for anybody who saw that live, I know, Johnny, you saw it live. Uh, but uh, So I birdie number one, but then I also birdie this downhill par three. It was playing about 155, 160 yards, downwind crosswind, like with this green that had this... Sh- uh, shelf, I don't know, ridge that if you hit to the right of it, you could totally stay up there um, and even run off back off the front. But because of the way the wind was blowing, I actually, I, my ball hit the middle of the green, kept curving left, ran down, ran up to about eight feet, and I made the putt for birdie. It was freaking epic. So I birdied two holes in the front uh, and shoot 37 on the front. And then um, on the back nine, I just kind of beat it around, got a bunch of pars, got up and down on a few, had a few bogeys. And then we're downwind on the 18th hole. It's a par five, probably playing about 500 yards or something. And I beat the crap out of it, probably about 330 or longer. I only had 150 in, um, 155, 150 in. And I hit a, a pitching wedge to uh, six feet, hold the eagle putt. It's pretty sweet. So another 37 on the back and uh, ended my uh, my Mexico golf right there. Nice. I was done. Nice. Um, play, shout out, though. Uh, so what was kind of fun about this, so the first round I played by myself, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, you're on vacation. I, maybe my wife would have come with me, but I played by myself. I was hoping to kind of get paired with somebody, but it wasn't real crowded. But the next day, um, I got paired with a member, and so I see on the tee sheet I'm paired with Fowler. And I'm like, no freaking way. So David Fowler, the veterinarian from Edmonton, <laughs> joined me. <laughs> um, and he, he actually, he helped us out, you know, uh, putting stuff around. But I played with a, a really cool and uh, shout out to, to uh, Peter Kim uh, for, uh, for hanging out. Uh, cool anesthesiologist from uh, L.A. Really cool dude. Uh, actually invests in real, uh, he has a real estate like investment group of doctors and he happens to own a house that he rents in Greenwood, Indiana. And I said, so I, so I said, and he's never, he's never been there. He's never seen it. 
And I said, well, when you come to Indiana, my man John and I will take you out and we'll play some golf. So What? So this is – do they – do commercial or just they just don't like he, a lot of residential? so so he started uh, like a little like app investment group and it's they they basically cater to doctors investing in uh, real estate for passive income because you know doctors obviously have cash they got to put it somewhere and he has this whole thing to basically for doctors to help create passive income oh, that's pretty cool yeah I mean random hookup with this guy obviously you and I do real estate so I was like we were talking we had a good you know it was just a fun round hanging out with him talking uh throughout you know you know concepts to and asked him about what he knows about um doing uh uh what do you want to say shared office spaces and stuff like that and he he's actually used like we work spaces and things like that so we had a really cool conversation um so it was fun. Good stuff. Hanging out with Peter. And uh, I did actually. No, so Peter, so time out. Peter hit like a shot to like two feet on one par three as well. And I think that's on Instagram as well. And I gave a shout out to Bob Menery, by the way, because I said, Bob, I found Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to make a birdie. And then I put that on there too. So that was kind of fun. So hey, good time in Mexico playing some golf. And then let's um, talk about uh, when you were coming back. So, yeah, we're going to get into uh, On My Way Back then, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, we, I told John before I left, I said, I'm going to make sure that I go to like the duty-free in the airport, and I'm going to pick up some freaking tequila. Hell, yeah. Cabo's great. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to Cabo, by the way, like um, we had some phenomenal meals. I know I shared like my giant pork chop uh, from Flora Farms. That was amazing we went to a place called edith's down in cabo san lucas which was awesome um the restaurants right at the resort we were staying at were fantastic as well i think allison ran into some real housewives or something like that that she recognized i don't watch that shit so i have no idea but apparently we were at cool places that even some of the real housewives go to which is which is fun um but it was really important to me to pick up some tequila because we obviously experiment with some of the stuff and i wanted to find things that I don't find it, the freaking big red liquors, right? So I pick up this bottle, and I'll share a picture of it. Uh, it's the Esperanto Selección Tequila, and this is an Anejo, and I'll share a picture of the bottle. Um, Let's go ahead and uh, we can do a preemptive try here. Preemptive try? Yeah. We usually do this at the end, but let's do it now. We're going to kind of do it in the middle, and we'll wrap up. Drink your water there. It's been sitting there on your eyes, so you get a good drink. Oh man, good stuff. Um, so, so I'll tell you. That's if a you've, really cool bottle. It's a phenomenal bottle. So let me um, let me tell you about bringing liquor into the states through duty free. If you do not have a direct flight to your final destination, it's a pain in the ass. So we had to connect through Denver, and. I buy three bottles of tequila, and I think, and they they wrap it up in these plastic bags, and they zip tie these freaking things. This is in Mexico when I buy them, and they're like, they put the receipts in them, and they're like, you just. I said, so I'm good getting these through, whatever. And they're like, yeah, you're fine as long as you keep them like sealed up. I mean, they're like taped up, whatever. I'm like, all right, I'm good to go. So we get to Denver, and for anybody who's come in from out of the country through customs, you know that you've got to. Um, uh, 
you know, basically get your bags, go through customs, and then you essentially have to recheck your bags with whoever you are, um, whoever you're flying with to your next destination. So that's essentially what you got to do if you have a connecting flight. And then they actually make you go back through security to get to your, get, get back, I guess, you know, into the terminal. So that's just the way international flights work if you have a connection. So I'm like, I'm thinking no big deal of it. I got all these sealed freaking bags with zip ties and plastic and whatever else. they've. I mean, they've double sealed all this shit in plastic bags. I'm thinking no big deal. So I asked the random guy, I go, hey, can I get these through security? He's like, oh, yeah, you're fine. They're all sealed up. You'll be good. I'm like, okay. So we go through. We go through the metal detectors, whatever. My bag gets pulled off the, you know, scanner or whatever. And they're like, hey, yeah, we got to check this. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, it's part of the process. So they're like, well, we actually have to open these up and we have to put them in this other scanner and uh, make sure that they pass. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Why the hell were they all freaking sealed up in the first place? You know, like, like apparently, you know, there's some terrorists out there that are trying to, you know, smuggle alcohol to blow up a plane. I have no idea what's going on. So, God, if I knew this, I would have thrown this stuff in my actual luggage when I went to go recheck it, and I would have never tried to carry it essentially onto the plane, but I was told I was fine. So we go in, and the girl is like, she pulls one bottle out, and she's like, did you know this one's leaking? (laughs) And I'm like, no. (laughs) One of them was literally leaking. That's not the one we were trying tonight, but it was fine. You still have it? I still have it. It made it. Um, but she pulls then this bottle out that we're, uh, we're going to sample these, uh, Esperanza or, or Esperanto, sorry. Um, and she goes, Ooh, she's like this bottle. It never passes the test. She's like, do you still want me to test it? And I'm like, I go, I guess like what, what's, what are my other options? She's like, well, you could check it. She's like, you could go back out and check it. And I'm like, Fuck, I'm like, do you think it'll pass? Whatever. I mean, you wait when you see a picture of this bottle, you'll be like, it's a freaking badass bottle. I don't want to have to lose this bottle. And um, so I'm like, well, just scan it. We'll see what happens. And she goes, all right, so here's the deal. She's like, if it doesn't pass, then you have to have a pat down, like a full pat down. <laughs> and I go, okay. So I'm thinking, eh, whatever. What are the odds? You know, the freaking thing doesn't pass. And so then she pulls out my other bottle. And this is just like a, I don't know, some Grand Patron or some shit. And I'm thinking, ah, no big deal on this one. She's like, ah, we're good. And that one doesn't pass either. So I have to get this like full grope down every like crevice of my freaking body. I get I get that every time. <laughs> I literally get that every fucking time. And I'm like, what in the hell did I they do? Off, they offer me to go in the back room. It's crazy. For the full pat down. I'm like, this is whatever. And I didn't even care. He's like, take off your shoes, pull up your pants, pull down. You it know, could have just because when you went through the uh, the uh, scanner that your nutsack was dropped too low. It could have been. It could have been. But I thought it was a ri- so. So at this point, I'm down to one bottle. The leaky bottle is the only one that passed the test. So I'm like, shit, I just spent $200 on freaking tequila. This is like good tequila. Right. What is that, a bottle? It was $76. I mean, it's good. Oh, it's, it, I mean, I, I didn't. I, by the I, way, by the way, let's, let's, inter, let's right now sample this because right. I'm, I'm, now we're talking about, what is this called? This is the Esperanta, or yeah, Esperanto. I've never Esperanto. seen this in the United States. Never seen it. It's, so to it, describe you, the bottle. Will they sell this in the United States? 
Um, I think I saw it on a web. I was trying to look it up to see how much it might cost in the states, but I think, and it could cost over a hundred dollars in the states. But um, so, just to describe this bottle, it basically looks like a a circle with a agave plant, basically glass agave um, plant in the middle of it. So it's this circular bottle where the liquid goes around, actually this glass plant. Um, and then there's a spout at the top that kind of looks like a penis, but, um, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> it's good tequila. So it's a Nejo. Um, it is uh super smooth. Um, actually has a little bit extra flavor i feel like on the finish so initially there's like there isn't that like bite to it by any means so like you're like wow this is like a great smooth whiskey and then later on this thing kind of hit me and i was like wow there's like extra flavors in here and it kind of lingers i I don't it's 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 excellent it's if if you could get this home without having to have an anal cavity search um, from mexico or wherever you can find it i totally recommend you gifting this to somebody done so to finish the story so to get this home then i had to check it i couldn't take it onto the plane because it didn't pass the test so i literally had to go out of security i had to go to a gift shop around the corner i literally found like a backpack that was probably like a laptop backpack that had wheels on it even has like a cool handle whatever and i jammed three all three bottles of this tequila into this backpack, I ran back out to the gate check or the baggage check gals and was like, hey, I, this is what happened. They won't let me take these on the planes. They didn't pass whatever the test is. I have to check this now. Can you guys print me on a new ticket? Southwest, bag fly free, good to go, right? So the girl turns to the other gal at the thing and she goes, do you think we should call somebody and let them know? Because it was like 45 minutes later from when we gave them our other bags. And I'm thinking this, this shit gets home. I'll be happy. And if let alone, if it even freaking makes it and gets crushed, it's just in this freaking backpack in the box. Did you pad it with anything? They came in boxes. So each one of the tequilas had like a box it came in and we had all these plastic bags and I had like another bag that they were in. So they were, and the backpack was a little bit padded because it was a laptop backpack that I paid 40 freaking dollars for. (laughs) And, um, so I just jammed the stuff in there, and I just like basically crossed my fingers and was like hoping that it it would make it. But when she turned, she goes, "Do you think we should call somebody?" I was like, "That's just the sign." I should have said something, but I didn't because I was Allison at this point is like waiting for me, freaking and, out. And then I got to go back through the security line, you know, and not get patted down this time, you know. And so I get we get back there. We still had like an hour to catch our flight. It wasn't like a big deal there, but. So, uh, we get to Indianapolis. My golf clubs come off first. Our two luggage bags come off. We wait for everything else to come off there. No freaking tequila bag. (laughs) I knew it. It exploded on the plane or it broke somewhere and like... People are like smelling tequila and they just threw the freaking thing away. I'm, I'm just thinking it was, you know, tragic ending to my $200 tequila investment. $240 at this point because I had to buy a bag to ship them in. And um, so I go to the Southwest agent 
And I'm like, hey, here's my ticket. Can you find this thing? And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll put in a ticket for it. And we'll let you know as soon as we find it. Okay, great. So I get a call this morning that said my bag had just arrived and that they would be delivering it. So they actually delivered it to my house today. And everything was intact. Nice. And we have three. But it was like quite the experience to get $200 with tequila back into the States. It's here. It was I, good. Here's one I just recommend, like, p- take another, be prepared to just check in another bag if you have a connecting flight or whatever it is, or or have a direct flight to your ending location and you won't have to deal with it. But It's here. We made it. Well, good vacay, good golf, good tequila, good food. Dude, let's, the food. Let's, um... Oh, so by, uh, let, me, let me go one step backwards. So I had my day where I ate tacos. I forgot to finish this, what I ate that day, because you, you were curious about this. This was like my gorging day. So I had two breakfast tacos, basically a shot of tequila, uh, and two beers on the front nine. Had a beer and a margarita on the back nine, two more tacos, and a roadie beer on the cab ride back to the hotel. Then I get back to the hotel... And I split a cheeseburger, bacon cheeseburger, and fries with with Allison for lunch because she hadn't eaten anything yet all day. And then we got to dinner to Flora Farms, which uh, Flora Farms is basically out kind of where this golf course was that I went to. And it's like an organic farm-to-table kind of place. And they do a pork chop, which I mentioned. I saw um, it. And you, you saw the picture. It's incredible. This was the medium pork chop. It's basically like a whole pork shoulder, but with the freaking bone in. And they cook it for 45 minutes. And I got the medium. And I ate probably half of that thing. Um, I ate half. I ate a cup of soup and uh, some corn. And I about freaking threw up. But And then Allison had like a... Uh, uh, some type of carrot cake or some shit for her birthday dessert or something. I don't know. It was, I was it. I was about ready to die. And then I, I had had, what did I have? I had a beer and two margaritas. And I had a mojito at lunch too. <laughs> and I think, God, I may have had, yeah, it was bad, dude. It was a rough day. That's a good, that, that I right probably there. ate 5,000 calories that day. Easily. Nuts. It's good stuff. God, I can't. I cannot wait to go to the Dominican. <laughs> That's gonna be dumb. You better. So uh, she does have a bet with me. I, I told her that you and I are only gonna play two rounds of golf, and she said there's no way you guys only play two rounds of golf. So depends on how fucking pissed off they get. I guess so. How many know. rounds do you think we'll play? A minimum two. Oh, minimum. That's a uh, minimum. I think we could squeeze in. I'm bringing my clubs. I'm bringing my clubs too. I think. I think if you play, so we're backtracking a little bit. But I think if you go on vacation to play golf, or go on a, I should say, if you go on a vacation and you think you are going to play more than one round of golf, you bring your clubs. I'm probably going to bring my backup set. I don't think I'm going to bring my my new set that I'm that you're about to buy that you haven't played that we're going to segue into right now. Yeah. Uh, as Mark was enjoying the sun, I was at Golf Galaxy yesterday with why it was snowing, and the Mizuno rep was there, so I was able to uh, really flavor the clubs I'm zeroing in on with uh, the 919 uh, Forged, and was able to to really hone in on a shaft that I like. I think these clubs nowadays, I mean, the heads with a lot of them are 
are really, you know, similar in the technology. I mean, I think there's a few groups that really shine. I think Mizuno with irons, they they shine. Ping, oh, they're incredible. Yeah. TaylorMade, yeah, Callaway. That, but they that they all have their own little thing. But their technology is all very good. Yep. You have to get the shaft right. And I, I think totally and I, agree. And I spent a lot of time there yesterday, and I, I found the one that fit. And um, the most, I, I wasn't that surprised I was going to find the right shaft with that club head that I really like with the 919 Tour Forged. The thing I was most surprised with was the Mizuno driver. Mm. I didn't even really plan on hitting it yesterday. I was like, okay, because I love my Epic. I was like, okay, I'm a couple years later. I think I'm going to go to the Epic Flash. And the Mizuno new driver is sick. It's I, badass looking, it, man. It's incredible. I'm, I've got the the magazine up here right now. It's the ST190G. I believe it had the weights on the bottom. Yep. I I was hitting it. I was, I was just super impressed. It feels different than... Than the epic, like I, I, the epic is a is a club. It's almost like a like I always, it's like a bull in a china shop. Like a lot of the new technologies, like you hit it, it just kind of dead off the face, but it just goes forever. Yeah. The club, this club gives you feel. Yeah. So you know when you miss it a little bit, and well, well, you said you you were talking a little bit early offline. It's like you like feedback. Yep. How many? Dri- I mean, drivers right now they don't give you feedback. As no, much. I mean you barely know you hit it off the toe. Or well, I tell you, I tell you, what, I know when I hit stuff off the toe. I know that. I almost never know when I hit it off the heel, though. I agree. It feels. De- I mean, it just feels like a dead shot, and you're like, "Why did that thing cut a little bit?" And you're like, "Oh, I must have healed it." <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. S- you know, I'm the same way. Like, I wouldn't know if I hit it high off the face, but yeah. One thing I felt like it's like I. It wasn't even that as much where the strike was at. It was like how you came into the club, like want to be able to turn it over better or cut it. Right. And that club, I could feel it. I think they use their same kind of technology they use in their irons, which Mizuno is known for. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like a like a trendy iron, you know, not trendy, but you know, they're known. Well, they're, they're craftsmen. You yeah. know, they're 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 they just they're and and they're proud and they don't need to advertise it. There there are. They aren't necessarily. I think they've done a much better job of catering to um, the higher handicapper masses of golfers, but they aren't known as a manufacturer, kind of like Titleist to a degree, right? Where they're trying to cater to the masses as much as they're trying to cater to the person who who is a gamer who takes their game seriously, right? And you might not be a high handicapper; you could be a mid handicapper, but, but, but you're like you're like I'm going to take some. Serious but think about calls. what you just said. That's that's like a that's a weird approach. It's very it's very much like how Titleist approaches it. It's I unique. Think. Yeah, and I'd saying it sets, but it, I think it helps sets them apart. Um, well, and, guy won and two majors, and their shit's good. And the guy won two majors last year. When well, they've stuck with Forged, and they've, I mean, yeah. So a guy, so you know how it worked with Brooks, right? He yeah. so Nike announced the year before that we're not making these irons this year, so he wasn't contractually obligated. Yep. He ordered irons from the factory, not modified, from Mizuno. That is unheard of. No. That yep. doesn't happen. And people don't get that. No. They don't understand. Like, if you... And I really read a lot about These it. These guys all the go I to the it. trailer and be like, build me what I need. Mizuno sent them here shipped. They didn't change things. Right. 
he wins at two majors. That's that says a lot. He hit the ones you like more. I think he hit he hits the tour, but he makes it in a couple forged like in the lower set. Yeah, but he likes the tour. I do too, man. It's a pretty looking club. So um, in the other golf magazine that uh, I said I subscribe to, um, going to your point about drivers, uh, there was a very interesting. It's I think it's like the letter to the editor or the editor commentary page or whatever you want to say. It's kind of at the front of the magazine. And we were talking a little bit before offline as well about um, one of the questions was, you know, how are these tour players gaining distance? Um, you know, is it the ball? Is it these drivers or whatever it is? You know, the rules on the drivers haven't really changed. And the ball hasn't, the rules on the ball hasn't They're never going to go bigger at the club head side. What is it, like 460? Right, so there's, there's a spring-like effect. I mean, shoot, even... TaylorMade had to inject resin into their face so that it would meet conformity, right? Because it was too springy or whatever the heck it is, is that right? Why they did it? Yes. So they actually made a driver that was too springy and then injected stuff into it to bring it down to to conform. Spec. Yes. So um, what the uh, what the editor said of Golf Digest was that. What's interesting about it and why pros have has gained yardage and why we are seeing, um, obviously, th- this huge increase in yardage, even from amateurs and such like that, is that they it's not that they're increasing the speed of the ball or the speed of the head or the whatever it is. Yes, they're advertising that. What they're actually doing is they're increasing the size of the sweet spot. And he said, this is the year. How do that, they... You, we were talking a little bit offline. How do they do that? You, he, they didn't get into the detail there, but I want to do homework on this because I want to know that how they do it. this is the most interesting. That was the most and think of how embedded this was into the magazine. The fact that I even read this, like, because it's there's no pictures on that page or anything like that. There's no pro promoting. It's just like the editor at freaking Golf Digest suggesting that he's talked to all these people. He's talked to golf club designers that have said their goal is actually to make the sweet spot bigger, so that if you hit it. Um, uh, versus hitting it at that tack size in the middle, if you can hit it within a nickel or a quarter size of the center of the face, they want to see that the ball actually gets the same amount of distance than if you hit it right dead center. And so what's happened is because they've increased the size of that sweet spot, the more pros don't hit the sweet spot every time either, but because they don't have to hit it exactly, their driving distance has gone up. Dude, I mean... It, Which, I mean, that makes more sense but, than anything. But, I mean, you're saying stuff that's like, you know, this is white, this is black. I mean, you make a sweet spot bigger. I mean, it, it, it's going to... To me, I, that, that, that point made more sense to me than any other thing that I've read or seen on ball speed or rolling the ball back or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Chambly's going to be like, make the sweet spot smaller. You're not, they're not going to do that. But point is, and, and you were talking about it earlier, and I think this was interesting as well, because you hit the um, the other uh, Mizunos, right? The hot metals. The hot metals. Not forged. You said you basically could hit that thing anywhere on the face, and it just went. It went straight, too. So the technology is not in how fast that face shoots the ball off or how... Um, how the ball is more aerodynamic or what is weighted differently or whatever, whatever gimmick this, after reading this, I'm convinced that whatever gimmick any club manufacturer is selling you 
on the fact that they're faster or they're more bouncy or whatever it is. No, they're more forgiving. Every club, but you know what? You know what doesn't sell? And and we were talking to our assistant pro about this, and one of the big manufacturers came out and they said they lost market share because they didn't talk about ball speed and distance. What does what doesn't sell clubs is forgiveness, and they they twist face totally pushed for forgiveness last year, and what ended up happening is they lost market share. It doesn't, and sell. so now. Every single manufacturer is like just distance, distance, distance. Because if they told you that better forgiveness gave you better distance, people wouldn't be convinced. But that's the reason we're having better distance, more consistency, is because these clubs are just more forgiving. I like it. I like it. So keep that in mind as you're going out to look out and buy some shit this year. Um, And uh, with that, we kind of went a little bit out of order here on this episode. But on behalf of John and myself, we really appreciate you listening, all 15 of you. Um, but uh, I, I can promise you, even in shitty, windy conditions, if you go out hit more greens, you will score better. See y'all. Thanks. We good. Faded. Faded.